it? Do I get it? Do I get it? I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performance in Edmonton. My name is Fonda, and um, we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Uh, this week, we've got a special uh, week with some special guests for you rounded up as well. Uh, a couple of um, shows that I've been waiting for a while to see, the musical Six at the Citadel Theatre, and the Ballad of Peachtree Rose, Nicole Moeller's new play, um, with Workshop West. So we're going to get into those right away. First up is our review of Six. Uh, I was joined by Karen Unland of the uh, That's a Thing podcast, also one of our Alberta podcast uh, network pals. So um, yeah, we'll just we'll just get right into that right now. I can't believe we've never done this before, Karen. No, I'm so excited that, and this is like a great show to do it on because I'm so happy after seeing that show. <laughs> I know, I know. I just feel, I feel so pumped. <laughs> All right, so um, Karen, Karen Unland, um, what did what just happened to us? What did we saw six? At the Citadel. Yes. And had sort of like a s- semi-religious experience, possibly. <laughs> semi-religious. <laughs> well, there was a lot of religious tones in it, yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, because, of course, as, as, as history has told us, many of the wives of Henry VIII had influence on religion uh, and, and, and history. Yes, <laughs> and had to take solace in religion and ended up. Yeah, changing entire religions. Yeah, quite the thing. Yeah, yeah. mostly because a lot of really crappy things happened to them. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> okay, so Karen, give us a little bit of setup. What is, what is, how is this musical take its formation? So it's presented to us like a rock show, I guess. And like, even when I say that, I sound like so square because I don't, this is not the kind of music I usually take in. So it's like, it's like a pop concert. Pop concert, right? (laughs) This is kind of like the, the feel is what I imagine was like when Beyonce came to Commonwealth Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Citadel, I will note, on a Saturday afternoon was packed to the hilt yes. with very excited people yes. to see this yes. show. Of all mm-hmm. ages, yeah. So it's presented to us like a pop concert, and it's the six wives of Henry VIII are together again. And the conceit of the show is that they've decided that they're going to have a competition to decide who had it worst. And they each kind of get a, a solo to tell their story. And then at the end, there is a semi-feminist twist around that that you could probably <laughs> predict now, but I won't spoil it. <laughs> yeah, so each of the each of the six wives are inspired by different pop stars. These are even outlined in the program. Um, you know, stars like Beyonce and Ariana Grande, Avril Lavigne, and you know, Sia and Adele are mentioned in there. All that, all this sort of stuff. So, and each, so each queen is got her own sort of specific style. Um, did you? Uh, what What were some of your thoughts on um, on on? Well, I don't know. Let's go top three first because they all they were all so. Um, unique and incredible and very good at what they were trying at, at the genres they were trying to hit. Yeah, 
So, and, and I'm not sure if I'm choosing by how good they were at replicating the genre, how much I enjoyed them the most, and it's probably all mixed up in my head. But I would say that uh, my number three would be Catherine of Aragon, the first one. Mm-hmm. My number two would be Anne Boleyn, and my number one would be Anne of Cleves. Oh my God, Anne of Cleves was just... The, the best. <laughs> I could not, I could not, as soon as I saw the dance moves that that performer had, I was just like, yeah, that, I like that one. <laughs> yes. And then um, her, sh- her song, I again, is not something that I want to spoil, but the style was, um, I didn't read it in the program, so it was like a big surprise to me, and I just felt like just this huge wave of delight when it came up. Yeah, stylistically quite a bit different than um, than some of like the big uh, vocal, like like really, really belting, um, like wailing sort of that was going on, especially with um, Catherine of Aragon was just an incredible kickoff um, to the show. She, of course, was married to Henry the Longest mm-hmm. over 20 years, um, had a lot more miscarriages and children die and things and you know she you're kind of set up almost like well they, yeah that one was she could she could win it <laughs> um and she's sort of done in the style of beyonce and shakira so like these like big show-stopping vocals and yeah really fantastic performance and boleyn was so just like nasty and adorable and like just kept reminding everyone that she was beheaded and (laughs) but she also influenced a lot of history like the the whole reformation came because Henry wanted to um, annul his marriage to Catherine of Aragon and marry Anne Boleyn so so that was kind of you know they're kind of they're they're sort of like digging their heels in to uh to where they lie in history but also in the just you know kind of putting their trauma up and saying, well, yes, mine, I was, I was, I was worse off, you know? Um, yeah. What did you think of the way that they kind of presented all of these, um, quite, quite, you know, traumatic and bad things that happened to women and as they pointed out, still happen to women. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's priced in when you come that, you know, that it's going to be an irreverent look at some pretty tragic things. And so I didn't feel like, oh, this is so disrespectful to actual trauma. Like, also, that when when it's that many centuries ago, you kind of get a pass for that, maybe? I don't know. Maybe I'm just being insensitive <laughs> and awful. <laughs> well, the, there's a lot of sort of, I mean, maybe it's not really current pop culture, but there's a lot of um, pop culture references about Henry's wives mm-hmm. that kind of like pop up here and there, like the whole um, divorce, beheaded, died, divorce, beheaded, survived mm-hmm. is is like an actual rhyme that school children are taken through, maybe only in the UK, I don't know. Um, but I've, you know, you've heard it before. Uh, and it's just, and it's how it's kind of like a mon- mnemonic device or whatever to remember what happened to each of his wives yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I thought it was interesting the um in in the program the the creator has a note about this is what we wrote in 2012 it's not exactly how we might write it now with our our um sensibilities and uh, i didn't having not seen the show when i read that i didn't know exactly what he meant but now i kind of get it like it is kind of 
I didn't like the pitting of the women against each other. The show come, has a lot of self-awareness and, mm-hmm. and kind of meta-ness to it, and, and it comes around to believing that as well. I wonder if that's part of a, the rewrite process. I don't know. I'm so curious to know what this show was like in its first incarnation. Yeah, it would have been really interesting to see, you know, like the, the fringe, the Edinburgh Fringe show that it started out as into what it's grown into now. Of course, there's a lot more stage bells and whistles, I think, that they they've gotten to but I I imagine that um, you know the idea of the six wives each having their own sort of their own bit their own song was kind of how it started uh, and then and then I feel like there's been some add-ons like I kind of thought that the um, the house in Germany <laughs> which was <laughs> One of the like the like laugh out loud funniest parts of the show when the, um when they you meet Anna of Cleves, really great setup to the character and kind of like an energy shift in the show too, um from like the first half which is all actually quite tragic, mm-hmm. um and then there's yeah things are uh, Henry's last three wives had a very different experience, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least not as long you know. <laughs> Um, so you see a lot of musical theater. I know you like musical theater. Um, what? Uh, how, how do you feel that, that this kind of musical fits into, you know, sort of either the Citadel season in general or what you usually like to see in musicals? So this isn't exactly what I, the kind of music I love, right? Like I'm not as much of a pop musical jukebox music. It's not a jukebox musical because these are original songs, but it's, it's not as much my jam. I was not a Spice Girls girl, right? <laughs> I think if you were a Spice Girls girl, you need to like get at least one night, maybe two nights to see this because you will mm-hmm. be so fulfilled. Um, I, you know, I kept, my mind kept comparing to uh, uh, the Invisible from Catalyst Theatre, which I had the benefit of seeing in Calgary and which is coming to Edmonton in February. Oh, good. We'll and, that. Yes, and having, uh, like, strong women singing about their um, their lives on stage uh, is, is, is a similar kind of thing, and I, and I like that one better. But that's because c- I'm old and this is the kind <laughs> of music I like. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> Honestly, I like I'm I'm not a super pop music person either, but I I thought the the singing was all great in this this um and and I feel that actually like the change in genres throughout the throughout the entire thing, like the whole kind of Nicki Minaj turn with Anna of Cleves was just great. Um so the other thing that I kind of really like too, and I will admit that I like K-pop and J-pop music. <laughs> Everybody knows I spent some time in Japan. Um, the the way they finish this show is kind of like you know like a like a K-pop girl band. Um, it had that like those you know like tinkling notes and everything. I was just like, wow, this sounds like I'm in, I'm shopping in the Daiso right now. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let, let's shout out to the band. There's a live band mm-hmm. on stage during it. They're called the Ladies in Waiting. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, it seemed to me, to my amateur ears, super tight. And just there, there's some nice interaction between the cast and them. It, that was fun. Yeah. And you can see them the entire time. They're they're really up there. It's kind of, you know, a lot of times with musicals, if they have a live band, they'll sort of be like hidden within the set in some way. Uh, but no, these ones were totally just like very prominent and, and really like really added to the show, too, just to kind of, I think that that's why it didn't feel like 
such like a canned musical, like a lot of poppy musicals can seem sometimes, yeah. is because the musicians were really prominent. Um, what did you think of some of the the design? <laughs> well, it's it's striking. Like the the, the costumes are kind of, um, you know, Tudor inspired, but very modern and very like like you would see on a modern pop stage and um and uh it, the the lighting was like made me forget it was two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah like i mean you i was thinking just kind of like you know as a fringe show they would never have this lighting or this kind of set <laughs> or whatever but it was still like just I think that that's kind of one of the things that makes the anticipation of this musical really, really hot and heavy is because they have these amazing images Mm -hmm. of this very diverse cast of women. They're all looking real powerful, looking great, great lighting, great photos. Um, And, you know, it's it is just kind of part of the like the marketing behind this show that is really trying to generate steam before it hits Broadway. Um, And I mean... I think in that way they're doing a good job. I don't know that it's of that same sort of level that we're like Hades Town, where you felt like something incredibly important was happening um, in theater with that show. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. There, <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun than important I think yeah mm-hmm. but it's super fun yeah yeah and they do ha- they do make some really good points about how you know they try and turn it around in the end they're like you you don't know about um, us because of Henry mm-hmm. you know about Henry because of us yeah. which I thought was a really great sentiment to end on yeah. Um, so yeah yeah any any further thoughts you've got uh, dad I, I a question for you sure. what did you think the, of the choreography oh I, I I mean, it was like watching a pop concert. Um, I had some appreciation for the way the choreography changed, say, between, like, you know, um, the Catherine of Aragon, very Beyonce style, really, like, high power moves, and then the sort of more, like, grounded, low-down hip-hop style of the Anna of Cleves um, segment. Uh, I Yeah, they, they went through sort of, they went through a lot more stylistically than I thought uh, going in than I assumed that we would see. So, so I did like that. Was it like super complex and like contemporary or anything? No, no, no. You were totally watching like a girl band pop concert. Yeah. Um, but they did have, um, and then the Britney Spears turn too with, um, uh, Catherine Howard. Um, that one was, yeah, it was very much like watching a Britney music video, even as she's singing about like, uh, you know, trying to get men to stop touching her like that's something that you see actually you actually do see in those music videos and it, it really came through so you know the breadth of the kind of like um you know pop lyrical dance that you see in in like on much music was totally all there um and that was kind of like an interesting crash course in itself yeah. <laughs> i would say that this cast is phenomenally um talented one we Jane Seymour was one of the understudies she was great her voice was amazing she has this big power ballad that was just quite stunning and that's the understudy yeah yeah. and the two understudies in this show have to play like they they split all the parts between them so they fill in for whoever um so if if Machen is any um indication like everybody in the show is just like 
god level talent yeah totally um and i know that one of the understudies is also the dance captain i think it was i don't know if it was the one that we saw today um but uh, yeah shout out to the dance captain on the show and thanks for the question because yeah that was that was a super great super great bit to kind of watch all us be and really actually see it up close when you think about it a lot of these like major pop stars where you would see dance like that the dance can often be very far away from you um and there has to be a lot more there have to be a lot more bodies doing it for it to be seem as you know impressive um so yeah it's a departure from the kind of dance we usually get to see even at the ballet you know (laughs) um but yeah so it was really great i mean i feel i feel super pumped for the rest of this long weekend when i gotta go shovel like six (laughs) inches of snow off my sidewalk now and i have a corner lot karen oh my god (laughs) but you're just gonna be sixing along i know i know i'm just gonna be like singing that (laughs) singing that last song and just like yeah six yeah don't make me sing on the podcast okay all right um well thank you so much for joining karen and uh for coming along for this wild ride thank you for inviting me i feel so lucky all right well we'll do it again sometime soon okay um yeah go get your tickets for six it runs until november 24th at the citadel This episode is brought to you by TELUS World of Science Edmonton, home of the Canadian debut of Marvel Universe of Superheroes. 2019 marks the 80th anniversary of Marvel, and Edmonton is the first and so far only Canadian city to host this exhibit, which features more than 300 artifacts, costumes, props, and interactive elements to bring the Marvel Universe to life. Travel through the mysterious mirror dimension of Doctor Strange, digitally transform into Iron Man, and learn the story of Marvel and its influence on visual culture. Get your tickets today at tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca. All right, and uh, now we're going to go into Workshop West's uh, The Ballad of Peachtree Rose, a world premiere play by local playwright Nicole Muller. The play is set in Edmonton, and for this review, we are again joined by our very good friend, Colleen. Um, so, yeah, and we will uh, we will take it from there. <laughs> Off the top, of course, we must disclose something very important. Here we go. All right. Hello, Colleen. Hi, Fonda. How's it going? Pretty good. What What did we just do? We went to see The Ballad of Peachtree Rose by Nicole Muller mm-hmm. um, at Backstage Theatre. Yes, which was uh, the opening of the Workshop West Playwrights Theatre season, um, directed by Brenly Charco, and uh, all featuring an all-female cast for, for wonderful actors who we must, off the top, disclose one of them is a very close friend of ours. Our BFF forever, Laura Rabu. Who has been on this podcast before. <laughs> so we're just going to leave it at that for now. <laughs> um, for Laura. <laughs> yay! Uh, so what, Colleen, what were your sort of initial thoughts on, I guess, how the how the show was set up? What was the kind of premise going right in? Well, so we have to be a little bit careful here because there's some spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but yeah, you sort of go into the show and the show is opened by a young woman sort of telling us about the murder of her mother. Mm-hmm. And um, and interestingly enough, the night that we saw the show, there was a talk after the show about the value of restorative justice. So that just sort of frames it in whatever way you'd like it to. But so off the top, there's a young woman who tells us that her mother has been murdered and she's mourning it and she's upset by that. And then and then we go into the story of the play and, and there's a, a an older woman and a younger woman and they meet 
and they sort of agree to a working arrangement of some sort. Yeah, so and you're you're introduced to Peachtree, Peach and Max. Yes. And Peach is played by Alexandra Dawkins. This Beautifully is, played. Yes, by. this is the this is the, the, the little sister character, the yeah. younger character. Yeah. Um and meets Max, who is sort of um played by Laura Babu, who is um, you know, kind of seems to Maternal. be a, yeah, a, a leader. She she does talk about her own sister, so kind of plays the older sister figure. Mm-hmm. Um and takes Takes Peach under her wing to uh, to to do some business. <laughs> yeah, just to guide her in, in, to some respect. And so you're sort of g- guessing as to what relationship the 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 initial daughter character has towards these two women that that sort of form this business relationship. And 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 yeah, the the little sister, the the Peach character. You really feel for her. Like your heart goes out to her. You sort of identify. Well, maybe not identify, but you you see what she's going through kind of and you're you're kind of rooting for her yeah she see she's she seems down and out she's you know she's been involved in some petty crime she explains that um she also talks a lot about um you know like selling selling her body for you know like doing money whatever she has to do yeah doing what she has to do and and just kind of like has an edge to her alexander dawkins was incredible in this role mm-hmm. i feel like she was just you know absolutely that like that character really saying i bought it hook line sinker absolutely from Mm -hmm. her yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then they're in this this set where there there's these rolling shelves of boxes and you and the the business that that is presented to us is this sort of shipping and receiving may or may not be illicit kind of business that that max has invited peach to be a part of for you know spoils of whatever sort and so there's these boxes that move back there these 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 shelves of boxes that move back and forth and and you're sort of invited into some parts of it and then it gets a little murkier and 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 sort of that sort of fits with the theme of the show that you're that there's all these things on display but you really don't know what's happening yeah and in the same way you're getting dragged along peach is sort of getting dragged along Mm -hmm. the entire time too you never really get the sense that she's in control of her own destiny even though she puts up that face like she puts up that front a lot um also want to say the fourth the fourth performer in the show is shannon blanchett um who plays sort of like a a rolling cast of character (laughs) other characters that are around um particularly good at as the sort of like hapless other other um, kind of like pawn in the <laughs> in in the family, as Max always says, the family um, kind of reminded me a little bit of like you know Christopher's henchmen from The Sopranos, who like never really get anything right, but are wearing this like <laughs> sportswear. Um, she also makes an appearance as an Avon lady and another sort of like family head or like you know kind of like criminal client. Um, Shannon, Shannon was great in all of the roles, actually. And it was kind of interesting to see how she could just change, like, the angle of a ponytail and be, like, a completely different person. <laughs> it's a really good point. The pigtails. The, the furious pigtails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think that uh, at this point, we're going to put in a warner uh, or a warning and say, after this point, there are spoilers. Mm-hmm. I know that the show ends this weekend, so you may not get a chance to see it. Um, but if it ever gets produced again and you you don't want to know these spoilers, I would suggest stopping listening right now. Because we have to talk about uh, and, and analyze a little bit about what happens in the end of the show. Indeed. Uh, so the show goes along and you start to figure out that it, it turns out that the, the central character, Peach, is the murderer of 
of the, the first character's mother. Or at least they set it up that way. They set it up so that she confesses to this crime. And maybe we can keep how that how that actually happens yeah. a little bit secret. Um, but they they set it up so that, you know, you find out that um, Belle, the narrator, is the daughter of the of the woman who's been killed mm-hmm. um, and that um, Peach has conf- is confessing to the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the in the very final strokes of the play, also that that it doesn't really matter. There's still no justice. Like there's still no, no feeling of comeuppance or, you know, Belle doesn't feel better about it. Peach doesn't feel that it was like really what happened. There's some, I think there's some moral ambiguity about how the confession happened, coercion. I mean, Colleen, we've never really talked about this on the podcast before, but you are a lawyer and you know things about the law. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in, in, in a lot of ways, like, I mean, I think this seemed a little bit like of an over the top kind of entrapment situation, but is that yeah. it, but does that happen? Well, I, to be fair, I am not a criminal lawyer. I did not do particularly well in criminal law in law school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I just thought it would, you know, so to 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 employ an entire business and Max and Shannon Blanchett's character to spend months entrapping uh, the Peach character into a confession seems over the top for me for, I mean, it's a murder, but um, but it's a it's a young woman who's fairly impressionable, has no leverage, no power in the world. And they spend all this time and effort tricking her into a confession. And it just strikes me as like, I don't feel like that happens in real life. I think that, you know, especially for young people who aren't in a position of power, they probably haul them, especially if they know who they think they are after, Mm -hmm. they haul them in, terrorize them, get a, well, maybe not terrorize them. That's the wrong word. They haul them in, sort of let them know they don't have a lot of other options and get a confession out of them. So it seems above and beyond that that all of this effort would have been made to, to get this confession out of this young woman. And while maybe it's a neat story and I enjoyed watching the performance, I just it, it strikes me as a little bit over the top for what might have happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, you know, I, I felt that it was all interesting and fine that Sylvie's character was like was you know on the take right like Mm -hmm. was a cop in the end but I had a really hard time believing that Max was and then there was no like but at the same time you know there was never confirmed for us that Max was yeah but that but the like the way that the shooting happened and everything I was just like oh there's no way that that was like not something premeditated on both sides and planned and yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing that I thought is other than other than it being, you know, kind of like a little bit of a stretch um, was that, you know, Peach is like young and impressionable. And yeah, it did seem like a, kind of a very long way to go to to get that to get that um, out of her. But also this all being a female cast, um, knowing that a lot of these stories are are usually very male focused. Um, Maybe that's why we find it a little bit far-fetched is because it's just not used to seeing this sort of narrative played out in the female realm. That's true. And, and watching uh, the Max character sort of overpower and manipulate the, the, the peach character 
there was sort of an inherent uncomfortability for for me in it and I you know I found myself thinking like is she after her sexually or like what like why is all this pressure being put on the this young female by this older female and yeah it inherently sort of makes you cringe a little bit whereas perhaps if it was an older male and a younger male and it was some sort of mentorship maybe it wouldn't have bothered me at all but but Mm -hmm. it was it was a bit cringeworthy this whole relationship it was a lot more unsettling also because there was that whole theme of like motherhood and like the daughter looking on the the sister yeah and sisters and stuff so it's kind of just like oh are Women are women that shitty to each other? <laughs> oh, these things happen. Although, and I will say though that in that final turn of the set, um, the design by Daniela Misalis, you know, you're looking at these boxes the entire time, thinking of like, oh, warehouse, you know, sort of like nondescript, whatever. I of like legal files. Yeah. I was thinking legal filing room. But then you're like, oh, no, wait, it's a storage house because that's the business Mm -hmm. that Max runs. But in the end, it does look like a police procedural storage room, right? You know, evidence boxes, all that kind of stuff. So so it was like, oh, that worked nicely. Um, Anyhow. All right. Well, that was the ballad of Petrie Rose. Um, Very interesting new script by Nicole Moeller. And um, yeah, I think it'll it'll leave me thinking for a while, I think. I think so, too. Like, I... Yeah, like, I don't feel like my thoughts are totally baked on this one. Like, I, yeah. You're just like, what? Did I, what am I? You know what? Do I get it? Do I get it? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) No, but you know what? Anytime you leave a production with your mind churning on on something, I think it's a success in that sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Colleen, well, thanks for coming back. Um, uh, You know, be careful in that freezing rain on the way home. Oh, dear Lord, Edmonton, it's November. <laughs> and Grote Road is closed. Good grief. Oh, <laughs> that's why the bridge was full tonight. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. We'll, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks for having me. Artists are often underserved at banks because they don't fit a typical profile. Freelance director Michael and actor Nicole kept getting turned down when they applied for a mortgage. Then they found ATB's branch for arts and culture. The branch offers a different approach to banking and lending that caters to the unique situations of people working in creative industries. Now Michael, Nicole, and their son Luke have a home they love. To see more of their inspiring story, visit atb.com slash Bradley's and visit atb.com slash The Branch to find out how ATB's branch for arts and culture can support your career in the arts. Okay, thank you again um, to Colleen and Karen for joining me on uh, to see those two um, really fantastic shows. What a great week for theater in Edmonton. So many ladies on all the stages. I love it. And next week, I can tell you, will be no different. Um, all right. So listings here. What's going on? Six, as a general, as already stated, is running at the Citadel Theater until November 24th. Next week, we have Convergence, the Good Women Dance Collective's annual showcase happening at La Cité Francophone, running November 14th to 16th. Uh, from the 14th to the 17th is Three Ladies at Studio Theater at the ATB Arts Barn. Uh, Bed and Breakfast opens um, shortly after at Theatre Network at the Roxy on Gateway. That starts on November 19th through December 8th. And the McEwen Theatre Arts uh, program is mounting Pippin at the Triffo Theatre from November 20th to 30th. So there's a lot of selection out there for you folks. Um, Thank you for listening. Hope you're staying warm and safe out there. Um, Now go see some shows. Bye.
I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here, thank you. I love you.